Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. Hi, my name's Melvin, and we finally made it. Welcome to Cinematic Doctrine, a Christian podcast service that seeks to encourage and equip Christians to engage and reform the culture of cinema. In this episode, I'm joined by two members from the Shattercast podcast, Derek Whitmore and John Wayand, and we're taking a look at Joss Whedon's The Avengers. Longtime listeners of the Cinematic Doctrine podcast may recognize the names Derek Whitmore and John Wayand. In July of 2019, I was in Florida visiting Derek about his nonprofit organization Shattered Studios and appeared in an episode of their Christian pop culture podcast, Shattercast, discussing Spider-Man Far From Home. You can find the episode on their YouTube channel for Shattercast, and apart from seeing what I look like in real life, you'll also catch a glimpse of what Derek and John do at Shattered Studios. Considering they invited me onto their show to chat a Marvel film, I figured it only made sense to invite Derek and John from Shattercast to chat another Marvel film with me. And what better film than the one that convinced us this Marvel Cinematic Universe thing was going to be a real juggernaut, The Avengers. So travel back to 2012 with Derek, John, and me as we talk about revisiting this genre-defining and, dare I say, industry-defining movie. Then listen as we think through Phase 2 and Phase 3, as well as figure out which Marvel villains are our favorite. Then Derek's got some hot takes to share, or as he calls them, small gripes, regarding a few strange things in The Avengers. And finally, hear what each of us thinks about The Avengers' pervasive themes of unity, teamwork, and fighting for justice, no matter what. But before we get into these things proper, let's fill you in on, or remind you of, what The Avengers is all about. Here's a quick synopsis. Loki has stolen the Tesseract, an ancient powerful energy source, and is attempting to conquer Earth with it. S.H.I.E.L.D. is in disarray and Nick Fury must assemble what he's called the Avengers Initiative by wrangling together a unique set of superheroes. Tony Stark, Bruce Banner, Natasha Romanoff, Clint Barton, Steve Rogers, and even the Asgardian Prince Thor must come together to face off Earth's greatest foe. But that's after they can learn to set their differences aside. The Avengers is rated PG-13 for intense sequences of sci-fi violence and action throughout and a mild drug reference. The intense sequences of sci-fi violence and action throughout are exactly that. Throughout. One aspect of the violence is that it progressively becomes more and more chaotic and violent as the movie continues. By the time you've gotten to the end of the film, it's become so big and so bombastic that, for some, it can be rather mind-numbing. For others, it will simply amp you up. All that to say, it's never particularly shocking or frightening. Rather, overwhelming is a more accurate descriptor. The drug reference went entirely over my head, and I went online to read on IMDb that basically Tony just makes a joke about weed in reference to keeping Bruce Banner sedated. Also, an alcoholic beverage is offered to another character. And while these aren't listed in the certification, it's important to mention that there's a line of dialogue about a character attempting suicide but failing. There's some language that utilizes lighter curse words, but it's pervasive and apparently on IMDb. And this was totally new to me, Loki uses an antiquated slur that I guess for those who recognize it will find it especially inappropriate. At the very least, now that I know the word, I'll probably find it pretty vile the next time I hear it. And lastly, although there's no stark nudity due to what is called convenient censoring, 
There is still an implication that a character has inexplicably become naked for reasons they cannot control. The scene is very, very short. Also, there are some scenes you could consider male objectification of topless men, and Black Widow's outfit is just particularly leathery. It's obnoxious and annoying, but it's kind of what you can expect from a superhero film. Now, before we head into our discussion on The Avengers, I wanted to share real quick that if you've come to enjoy Cinematic Doctrine, consider leaving a review for the podcast in your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way to leave your thoughts on the podcast is to write a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. Apart from that, Cinematic Doctrine also has a Patreon. For those who don't know, Patreon is a website for independent content creators to raise support for their work. By creating an account on Patreon, you can select a content creator you like and support them with a monthly donation. If you enjoy Cinematic Doctrine and would like to support the show, consider donating as it helps cover the cost of producing the podcast. And as a bonus, if you support Cinematic Doctrine for as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll, where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc Pre-Show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check them out at patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine. Also, be sure to check out Shattercast, Derek and John's Christian pop culture podcast that discusses a myriad of different yet important topics from a family-friendly and respectful position. You can find their show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Without further ado, here's our thoughts on The Avengers. Derek and John, oh my goodness, thanks for coming on. I, I, it's so cool to like be recording with you now just because last year, like almost an entire year, I was down in Florida. And I was on your show, the Shattercast. And first off, I was just in Florida, which was super cool. <laughs> Actually, it was really hot. It was definitely yeah. very hot. Zing. <laughs> there we first go. One of the night. I was surprised you invited us. I was I was surprised that you invited us after that experience you had on our <laughs> podcast. So, uh, I loved it. It was great. And I, I still think of it fondly, just being on there and just kind of like, I don't know, I, I have a fascination with like YouTube like podcasting just because some people don't think it's podcasting it's like no it, it is <laughs> just because they have a visual component doesn't mean they're not doing what you do um and so it's just like i i love coming down there so who says that <laughs> right like vlog wasn't it wasn't really a word after 2015 so we yeah. have to pick something so we revert to podcast it's seo man no one's searching vlogs but they are searching podcasts so there you go. But yeah, thanks for coming on. And uh, Derek, I mean, this is like a big deal, too, because I don't know, is this um, is this your first time coming on another podcast to also talk about Shattercast or? Uh, I think it might be. Yeah. Look at you. Got exclusive here, Melvin. Good job. Hey, yo. <laughs> and we didn't even sign a contract, which means that we can do this again with someone else. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, we said it like three or four times, Shattercast, Shattercast, now it's six. I mean, tell us about it. Yeah, my name is Derek. Uh, I uh, enjoy long walks on the beach, reading romance <laughs> novels. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I am into all things geeky, so I love comic books, video games, board games, all that good stuff. And I also work a lot with youth. Uh, I was a youth pastor for many years, and uh, I love anything creative, anything artistic, uh, love to write songs and dance and do a lot of crazy stuff. A few years into my ministry at a church, uh, we started dealing with a lot of kids dealing with depression, low self-esteem, suicidal thoughts, 
just a very bad scene, had a, a few young people unfortunately take their lives and uh, just a really hard time for everyone involved, uh, including myself. Didn't tell a lot of people this, but I was actually going to leave the ministry and I was like, I'm done. I really felt God challenged me to see what I could do to actually help instead of run away. And so got together with some friends and we formed this organization called Shattered Studios, uh, just this idea that we're all broken in some pieces or in some ways, but we serve a God who loves to put broken pieces back together again. Uh, so I kind of took this love for just sharing hope and faith and combine it with media and the arts. And that's what we have with Shattered. So uh, super excited about that. We do tons of stuff, uh, including uh, free art ministry programs for students. Uh, we do our own line of Christian comic books. We have this brand new thing that John and I and the team are doing. A little of the Lord of the Rings Adventures role play. You'll find out more about that soon. And uh, we also been working on this podcast for a couple of years now called Shattercast, uh, where we talk about media, entertainment, movies, games, board games, all that stuff. But we always highlight a faith aspect from it. So a little bit about us and Shattercast and what we're trying to do and my good buddy John's here. I'll pass it on to him. Uh, he is our host for Jarecast. Take away, John. John. Ooh, that's me. Yes, my name is uh, John. I also like long walks on the beach, but for whatever reason, Derek and I have not shared a long walk on the beach together. So I'm a little Aww. disappointed. We don't do it together. That'd be weird. That's, that's, really? That's too weird. Is that? Okay. Well, <laughs> that's been immortalized on the internet forever. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I met Derek, it was through a mutual friend. Uh, at the time, I was a youth pastor and slowly on my way to being um, a little disillusioned and going down a similar route that, that Derek had in his uh, youth ministry. And uh, when he told me about his uh, vision for Shattered and uh, what they were all about, I realized that that is a ministry that I wish I had when I was growing up, mm. uh, being a kid who is uh, huge in the arts. Um, I loved acting. I loved anime, um, drawing and artsy stuff. And uh, Shattered wants to reach out to those kids and, and those people that don't necessarily feel like they have a place that they fit in in the church. And that spoke to me because growing up, I loved theology, but that was really the only thing that kept me in church was that I legitimately loved learning about the history of, of scripture and I loved learning about the Bible and everything else. But all of my other interests didn't really line up with anything the church was doing. So that kind of hooked me into what Shattered was doing. And like Derek said, we've been doing Shattercast for a couple of years now, and it's been a, a pretty great journey. Yeah, and it's been a lot of fun to listen to. I still, I still remember... And this, I guess, is a throwback, but I still remember really enjoying your anthem discussion. Do you mm. guys remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I just remember thinking, like, this is it. Like, these guys have it down. They know – they not only know what they're – like, how to talk, like, talk about, you know, the Bible. Because, like, uh, the, one of the big things is, like, people would always typically know how to talk about the Bible. They just don't know how to talk about it in the language of like the culture they may be speaking in. And in this case is like geeky stuff. Like John, you were just saying like the only relation you had to the church was your interest in Christ, which is a really good thing. <laughs> admittedly, admittedly, it's the most important thing, Yes, <laughs> but it's, it's nice when all the other things line up too. Exactly. I say, I've, I've literally had youth pastors come to me and be like, we have a bunch of kids and they're into like more geeky stuff. I don't know how to reach them. And I'm like, come on guys, we got to do better with this. Like yes. <laughs> let's do what we can do to. And I love that. Feel to them. Yeah. Cause one of the things I commonly think about 
when I think about growing up in the church and then even just growing up as like an eccentric guy who just like video games and drawing, like sounds, sounds like you and me, John, were very similar. Like I sometimes think back to that and I think how many conversations I could have had with my dad if he, uh, as a God fearing man also said like, you know, my son likes, I mean, I was older at this point, but if I was, if this was just right, my son likes Minecraft. Why don't I play Minecraft with him? And then also while we're building things, just talk. It's just, uh, it's, if you don't like know how to engage into like what your community or your culture is going into, like that's, that's a really hard icebreaker to get through, especially when you're going to go in and also say, by the way, if you're living a life of life of sin, here, here's this guy named Christ you need to start talking to. And then you can't really start that conversation unless you really get into, you know, stepping into that culture, sit at somebody's table and eat their food kind of thing. So it's just, I'm so glad you're on to the podcast here. I'm so glad you're here to talk about the Avengers. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, we are. Like, this is a big deal. <laughs> like, <laughs> phase one ended. And like, this is this is just going to be so cool. So yeah, the Avengers. What did you guys think of the Avengers this time through? Well, the world didn't end in 2012. So in my opinion, <laughs> Avengers was the most important thing that happened that year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, I'm overly dramatic sometimes. I apologize. Uh, I saw Avengers uh, in the movie theater with some friends originally, and I remember leaving and being like, hey, I, that was a really good movie. Not perfect, but really good. I just watched it again last night because I knew we were doing this and wanted to make sure I actually knew what I was talking about. And <laughs> I think I enjoyed it even more. Like, it's, it's, it amazes me. Um, here's, what, here's what I think is outstanding about Marvel. They don't do everything perfectly, and we'll get to some of that later. But to have... 20 plus movies um, all tied together. And at this time when 2012, when the Avengers came out to tie all these different characters, not just the characters to try to tie their movies, to try to tie all these actors together in a fairly decent script for me was amazing. Um, now there's some bad parts of the script. Again, there's some cringeworthy lines I was looking at and, um, when uh, Thor and Iron Man and Captain America are fighting in the in the woods there, <laughs> and Thor says, "You want me to put the hammer down?" I was like, "When did Arnold Schwarzenegger show up?" <laughs> There's some stuff like that. Ah. But overall, like to tie all these people together is absolutely amazing what they did, and 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 every character I felt like had some cool. Sh- uh, scenes where they were able to shine, including some of the people we don't think have like superpowers, like Black Widow and Hawkeye. Like just to see them give as much screen time as they did to them was amazing. And and I love also seeing the characters working together, using their powers as a unit. There's some like just comic book and video game fanboy stuff that they they threw in there, like uh, when Cap was using a shield to reflect uh, Iron Man's blast. You know things like that. Hulk and Thor teaming up. It was really cool. And uh, I guess my last big thing I would say is I felt it was, <laughs> it's going to be weird to say in a superhero movie, fairly realistic uh, at times with the character development, like when Black Widow was on the helicarrier and uh, Bruce turns into Hulk mm-hmm. and like she's really shaken up after that experience. And I was like, yeah, that's cool to pick up. Or when Hawkeye runs out of arrows on top of the building, I'm like, finally, a movie gets it right. Yes. Like you right. don't have infinite arrows. This is infinite awesome. Infinite supply. Yeah. I know, right? It's not the uh, John. What is it? The uh, the classic term is like the John Wayne gun. It's like endless. It never has to reload. <laughs> and it's just yep. like, yeah, no, you run out of arrows at some point, man. Like, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's a revolver. You fired it 10 times but that's cool. Exactly. 
movie magic. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, not a perfect movie, but like again, just seeing it after or seeing it again yesterday just just made me smile that they were able to do a comic book movie so well. And I and I feel like um, I'll talk about some teen movies that I felt didn't do it so well later on. Uh, but those are my initial reactions. Uh, not perfect, but a lot of fun. And it was really cool to see the characters, you know, on the screen together. So what do you guys think? I think something that was really cool about going through phase one and then, yes, coming into the Avengers is like what you just said. It felt realistic. And that's something that when I've been talking uh, kind of like across this series on Sindok as we go through the MCU movies that I've been reminding myself uh, is that like these are the grounded movies. These are the ones where like Iron Man is solving like, you know, Western and Middle Eastern like relationships <laughs> and like yeah. the Incredible Hulk is just some dude like just traveling and he's got this weird thing where he turns into a big green monster. But otherwise, like that's kind of a normal movie. And the only one I think that's the most fantastical is Thor and a little bit of Captain America just because like the Red Skull is so flamboyant and strange and. But like otherwise, like these movies all are really grounded. And then, yeah, right into the Avengers, it's like the most fantastic thing about these character or about this movie is the characters. And then everything else about it is sort of just like um, I think it's called like near future sci fi or something like that, where like Mm -hmm. nothing's too far ahead, but it's technology that like is being tested right now. I mean, I don't know if a flying carrier is being tested right now. I was watching I was watching a guy break down the science of the helicarrier and how it would wreak havoc and devastation over every civilization that it flew over (laughs) due to the required (laughs) downward force of air to lift it. <laughs> I was even thinking about like Cap- like Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner, I think, are like just standing right near the thing. And I'm like, wouldn't they just be like sucked into it immediately? Like, they're really close to that draft there, man. But yeah, I, um, you know, when I was looking over the notes, we'd all kind of shared before we were recording, looking at, you know, Derek's first line is it's amazing. They pulled so many things together. And I'm like, this is a thoroughly enjoyable movie. And the first thing that Melvin has to say is surprisingly difficult to settle into. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, as, as I'm, I'm preparing for, for this, I'm like, okay, gonna, gonna manage my expectations here. Uh, you know, and I did thoroughly enjoy this movie when I first saw it. That being said, uh, between my favorite MCU movie and the Avengers, um, where like that, those two are on my list. Everything that's in between those two movies came out after the Avengers in that, uh, the Avengers itself hasn't, um, had as much staying power for me, like in my top five, like realistically, it's probably number seven or eight on the, the MCU movies. It's not the first one that I would go to if I want to see something, but it was the first moment in the MCU that I felt awe and wonder in a movie theater again. When I saw Lord of the Rings, and bear with me because I'm not going to compare Avengers to Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> when I saw Lord of the Rings, all three of them in the theaters, when I saw those movies, they were so massive and so just mind-boggling, the, the shots that they got, that I hadn't really been amazed by a movie since then. Even Avatar, when I saw Avatar, I wasn't really that blown away by the graphics i know everyone loved him i'm sorry uh i'm right there with you john thank you (laughs) (laughs) it was like a strange phenomena where everyone was like everyone yeah i do like pocahontas but in space (laughs) oh yes exactly i still don't get why it was so huge anyway sorry 
Let me I talk. don't either. I don't either. But um, when I saw the Avengers in in theaters, I I had some of that feeling of awe and wonder come back that I hadn't felt since seeing Lord of the Rings. Now, in my opinion, I would go watch any of the three Lord of the Rings movies over and over again before I would watch Avengers over and over again. But you can't debate that communal experience in the theater watching that movie when they all form their little back-to-back circle in New York, you know, and, and, you know, Banner has his, that's my secret. I'm always angry moment. Those were just, <laughs> so good. They, they were the first time we had seen that in the MCU. And so it was incredible. Um, so uh, from a, you know, a holistic perspective, you know, it's, it's like number seven or eight on my list, but looking at it as an individual movie, I really enjoyed it. I got the things that I wanted to get. Tony Stark was sassy and he said funny things. Black <laughs> Widow kicked butt. Captain America had this journey through the MCU for me where he became my favorite character going into it just from the comics and everything else. I was a huge Iron Man Tony Stark fan and Robert Downey Jr. killed it and he was amazing. And going into the movies, I was a Tony Stark fan. Over the course of the MCU, um, Captain America became my, my favorite Avenger. But in that movie is when it really started for me. And not even in the first Avenger, but in the Avengers, Captain America just time and again showed his loyalty, not just to, you know, America, uh, but to humanity and to his friends. And so I love the movie. I, I think it's great. It's not without fault, but I'm glad we want you to the to the right side with Captain America. Good job. With Captain America. Yeah. Although, you know, what really scared me. Uh, slight tangent. Uh, Avengers 2.5, a.k.a. Captain America Civil War. I was, <laughs> I was, I was scared for like the first half of that movie because I was hardcore. I think I agree with Iron Man right now. I, w- I was shocked. By the end of the movie, I was like, all right, I switched back. I was like, whew, that was close. But man, I almost yeah. had a turn in my shield there. To continue that tangent, do you, did you notice how this movie, the, their ideologies, Tony Stark and Captain, uh, sorry, Tony Stark and Steve Rogers, their ideologies in this movie basically swap. Yeah. By the time you get to Civil War. Yeah, definitely. Like Tony is very much like, I can't trust any sort of organization or government. And, you know, then uh, Steve Rogers is like, you know, this is our orders. I'm soldier, that kind of thing. And then by the time you get to Civil War, it's like Tony's like, no, we kind of need to be on a leash because we're basically like demigods now. And then, and, and Tony's just rich. Like, he, that's really all it is. He's just rich and smart. But then, and then of course, Steve Rogers is on the other side. Like, no, like part of the problem is that like, we can't actually trust like governments and we need to be able to get around. I, that was something I thought was really cool. Just thinking like this weird experience where like, we are at the end of, we're at the, in the midst of phase three and four because Black Widow's never coming out because 2020's <laughs> It's coming <laughs> out. Don't worry. <laughs> It may not be till next year. <laughs> the last couple of weeks have been a really weird year for me. Yes, so. it's it is. Who knows what's happening? <laughs> but like, we're in the middle of that, and like, that's why people are you know going back and rewatching these because everyone realizes like we're on some sort of timeline where every three to four six months we need a new MCU like st- stimmy or something. But it's true. Uh, going back and seeing it like in this retrospective has been fascinating and then also thinking about character growth like these characters really like i think the 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 best thing about the avengers is 
the characters apart from everything else. I have to say, I started to get real fatigue from the just the action sequences. They're very long. I even had like Phantom Menace syndrome Ooh. where like because there were six different action sequences going on, like I was starting to like lose all my senses and like engagement. In fact, this is something that usually my wife experiences. Like she really likes movies as much as I do. But if you put in like loud explosions and laser beams, she'll just fall right asleep. So like she doesn't know how like attack of the clones ends which is fine because like nobody needs to know anymore she's, she's not missing anything exactly i i stopped listening as soon as he compared avengers to phantom menace so. I, I, <laughs> are we still on the podcast i'm sorry i passed out <laughs> i've lost everybody it's like oh man no it's okay we, we need to we need to have different opinions otherwise this would be the most boring hour and a half it's ever. good banter it's good banter but it's just like it's it is and it's an and it's my podcast so i can always cut your audio whenever i want <laughs> Ooh, true, true. I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As the guy who runs the sound at church, I threaten my worship pastor with that all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just, it's one of the, it was one of these weird experiences where, and, and this is also, remember, like I, I've watched six Marvel movies in two weeks. So like, I really am like getting beaten over the head with like, yeah. at some point the violence and the action sequences gets a little nonsensical. And I'm like, Knowing that they're going to get out of it and knowing that like they're, I mean, I was thinking to myself, this is like a 30 minute action sequence on a flying carrier. And we're not even in New York yet where the aliens show up. And I was like, <laughs> can I even stomach this? And all that to say was like, I think the characterization is really where like these films come together uh, and even moving forward, because what I remember and what you even remember, John, was like the the I'm always angry line is like that's a character mm -hmm. revelation of like this is why yeah. he's always like this is why he's usually able to handle everything. And this is like the big moment of like his revelation. It's almost like his character arc is now realized there. And like that's the thing. Those are the things you keep remembering when you move forward. Honestly, I kind of remember forgot like most of the scenes in the carrier. I remember the argument that they have at the scepter in the in the like the mm -hmm. sciency room, and I remembered mm -hmm. some of the other character scenes there, but I didn't remember like any of those fight scenes, and like stepping out of like stepping back out of like what I think the MCU offers mostly is just great characters that you start liking Iron Man in the beginning, but then you get to the end and you're like, man, Steve Rogers, this guy, this guy's it. Like, I don't know. I think um, I think. Yes, this movie was surprisingly difficult for me to settle into, as I wrote in the beginning of my notes. And most of that is just because I think you can tell Joss Whedon was more of a TV guy. And so the film is shot very flat, like an illumination film is animated. But like by the end, like you really don't care about that. Like I didn't care about that. I was just like, yeah, like this is the Avengers like fighting together. And this is like unreal. I never really grew up with the co comics in, I think, the way that perhaps you guys did. So I didn't have as much investment in, like, finally seeing these heroes on the big screen. But, like, I don't think you even needed that to be amazed by it when it was in theaters and then to be amazed by it even kind of now. Yeah, and I, I think you bring up a lot of uh, good points there, Melvin. Uh, one thing I want to go back to real fast. Captain America and Iron Man, and John mentions too, I think they really are the two characters that kind of mirror each other throughout the whole Marvel universe. Agreed. And I think a couple times they kind of intersect and, and sometimes switch sides and stuff like that. Um, but just that their character arc seems so realistic. 
I think is one of the reasons to applaud the Marvel Universe. Again, doesn't always do everything perfectly, but I think they got those two characters so real that even when some of their thoughts or opinions change, you can see why. Yeah. And and even when it's a little heavy-handed, like Civil War, like they want them to go against each other, you can, yes. Sort, yes. Of, you can sort of see like the elements of that. Um, so I thought that was good. I also, um, it, it's amazing to be sitting here, and, and Melvin had said this, taking a look back. Now that we know the whole, from the beginning to Thanos, uh, Affinity War, to to now take a look back at Avengers and and see, hey, here's where some of these characters started. We know kind of where their journey goes to. I think made me enjoy the Avengers more because again, it was kind of a fresh look at them. Mm. And uh, the last thing I want to say is because of everything going on in the world and because like Black Widow getting pushed back for me, that's been a good thing. Because I think I was starting to get Marvel fatigue, um, having so many movies coming out every year. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy them, but you kind of don't appreciate them when you're getting them so often. And so I think this time to take a break is actually a really good thing. Because, yeah, we can go back, look at the other movies, and we, we can see the positives and negatives, how congruent the story was. And it for me, it makes me appreciate some of these older movies more. Like I want to go and look at the whole, you know, Thor series again. I want to look through the whole Iron Man series again, even the ones that didn't land so well, because I want to appreciate these characters again before we move on to a whole nother set of characters. Well, if I can stop you right there before you do a Thor marathon, I mean, that's going to be rough, <laughs> man. <laughs> See, I, I actually <laughs> like Thor better than most people. And I agree. Number two, number two. Is yeah. really draining. Number <laughs> two is really good, goodness gracious. I, I really enjoy Thor one. <laughs> Thor two is gonna be a, a little. On my rewatch of of the so so not to to make myself look like too much of a Marvel fanboy to all of your viewers, uh, Melvin. <laughs> too late. I know. Um, you know he he said he watched you know six movies in the last two weeks and he's fatigued. You know, I watched the entire MCU in two weeks leading up to Endgame. Oh, I couldn't do it. I loved every second of it. Um, but that being said, uh, there are only two movies that are lower on the list for me than Thor 2 <laughs> um, in the MCU. So uh, I think as a trilogy, Thor is the weakest. But uh, at the same time, I think Thor and, I, and Thor Ragnarok, I loved a lot. I really love those movies. I guess I'm the odd one out. <laughs> it's a, what 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 would you say is your favorite since you're not the fanboy well well first you got to start telling us what are the two on the bottom i because know you can't you, you just keep, not say you keep teasing <laughs> us and what's your favorite john as well uh iron man iron man is number one on my list because okay. that was uh for me incredible hulk I didn't even realize it was really part of the MCU at the time. Nobody, nobody does. <laughs> nobody, yeah, actors. It's just, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Uh, Bruce Banner, it was Mark Ruffalo in the MCU. So, um, <laughs> so I, Iron Man's number one for me. Uh, not because looking back at it, I can say from a purely objective standpoint, it's the best, but because it was the one that got me excited first. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I really love uh the the story that robert downey jr as an actor has had over his life and his story of redemption and coming back from the brink um and that process of redemption started before iron man but iron man was like the huge catapult back into it's no longer dangerous to cast robert downey jr yeah and so i just i really like his story and and how that kind of 
goes along with Tony Stark's story uh, as as well. The self-destruction, the finding purpose and meaning again and seeing redemption, et cetera, et cetera. So the bottom three would be Thor 2, Iron Man 3, and last on the list is Incredible Hulk. Incredible, Yeah, Incredible Hulk was definitely like, I think, like I had never seen it until starting this series and two movies in it is the second movie two movies in i was considering just stopping because i was like this is this is very hard i i had i literally lived a better life prior to the my experience of watching that movie wow and now it's like i mean i guess functionally things will get better because that was one of the lowest points of the year but i don't know it's just it was a strange the problem the problem with hulk is hulk doesn't make for a good standalone movie what they need to do is do like a Black Widow and Hulk or a Hawkeye and Hulk kind of a thing. Because the problem with Hulk is if you want character development, then you need Bruce Banner to go through an arc and you need the Hulk to go through an arc. And they're never on screen at the same time. And so it's really, really hard to do a Hulk movie well, which is why none of us can look at a Hulk movie and say, that was fantastic. It's just, it doesn't lend itself to being a standalone movie very well. You need something else that can come alongside the Hulk and and play into to both of those characters stories and so that's my opinion anyway that's that's why i think we haven't seen a a fantastic hulk movie i i I think it i think it could be done well i think it depends on the script and the writing i think the very first hulk movie the ang lee hulk movie oh yeah yeah. i think that was even worse than the incredible hulk movie because just (laughs) there's the transitions of that movie like i was tired after seeing that movie um (laughs) i really like edward norton as an actor actually i've only only seen him in one everything but <laughs> he seems to be a good actor to me um i i need to go back and see the incredible hog wonder what that other movie was. <laughs> you, you gotta tell us man you gotta tell us is it fight club it's gotta be fight club. Uh, no oh it's not even fight club. actually i've never seen fight club it was uh it was american history x which i can't recommend oh, to everybody oh, but that yeah. like that will mess you up that movie yes will it will mess you up that movie is intense it's a good one definitely. Yeah. yeah it's definitely one you gotta like kind of be prepared to watch yeah. yeah you gotta be ready for that so I can't really recommend it to people, but the message on yeah. it and it was, I think, extremely powerful. Anyways, um, <laughs> I need to go back and see the Incredible Hawk. Um, Don't. And and I hear what you're saying, John. I th- I think it's a challenge, <laughs> but I I think some movies have gotten close to it. That like that dichotomy of the two characters. But anyways, we're we're digressing. So far away from the Avengers right now. <laughs> I, I know, right? <laughs> I kind of liked Iron Man 3. I know not a lot of people did. Uh, I, I'm trying to see if I liked it. I think I liked it better than Iron Man 2. Mm. But I got to process it. Iron, so. Man is, Iron Man is a fascinating franchise of, of, of a trilogy just because like <laughs> there's kind of like an objective belief that like 3 is the worst and like and and that's probably true. I I have to watch it again to to remind myself. And then also I remember also there was sort of like a, a, a kind of an acceptance of two being a mess. But then like I rewatched it and I loved it <laughs> just because mm-hmm. it was so weird. And parts of it felt like more. It almost it was very much like development stage of you know the MCU and it just felt like more adult than I was expecting, like remembering mm-hmm. it to be. And the the stuff that I obviously did not like at all was it's sexism. Cause that's something that's really strange with phase one is like, because they originally are just targeting comic book fans. I feel like they're targeting like typical toxic comic book, 
culture. Yeah, that that sort of neck beardy stereotype yes. of what you a said nerd it, is. not yeah. me. I was. I, I said nothing. I said nothing. <laughs> yes. Send your hate mail <laughs> to John yes. and Melvin. I can say it. I have a beard. So, <laughs> well, actually, just like I mean, if anyone's listening to this after the Captain America episode, I just described as like that was written by people who've never touched a woman. So oh, it's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> But basically, like, Phase 1 has these weird sexist, like, expressions in Iron Man 2. Obviously, I did not like that because they, they, like, turned it up, up to a, a bit like 11 from from 1. But Oh, yeah. But, like, what's nice is by the time Avengers hits, like, look, we can always bring it back, guys. I did it. By the time <laughs> Avengers hits, like, they've really kind of developed, black, especially, like, Black Widow from instead of just being, like, gross, gross use of eye candy in Iron mm-hmm. Man 2 to, like, an actual character. Like, yeah. she is having actual conversations with people about things that are not just like, like in Iron Man 2, I think like Tony asked her, like, what would you do if you're going to die? And she's like, well, I just do whatever I want. And you're like, mm-hmm. that's like a totally, that her, yeah. just the way she speaks. Yeah. Okay. She's <laughs> on like a spy, but like, it's totally different to how she speaks in this. She is. Yeah. And it's just like, they're, they're fixing the problems. They're fixing them. And it's, and it's kind of fun watching these movies as they kind of go that direction. But speaking of problems, Derek, I see that you have a few small gripes when it comes to this movie. <laughs> Would you like to explain before before Derek before you let that that was a really smooth segue and I'm going to ruin it because I can't let this conversation <laughs> move on until I say something about Iron Man two. <laughs> Do it! I, look, I will um, talk Iron Man two forever. So, bring back <laughs> Sam Rockwell, you cowards! Yeah. Hammer's still alive. <laughs> That's the thing for me is uh, I think Sam Rockwell was a shining star in that movie. And I think that what brought the movie down for me was I know that Mickey Rourke could have done a way better job and yeah. he phoned it in in that yes, movie. Like, like it, it felt like it was a paycheck for him. It was a lot of background stuff. Like he wanted to do more and they just, because they wanted to push the, like, you know, building up to the Avengers, there was a lot of stuff that in the development had to be changed. And so that's why like Mickey Rourke is just like, I'll never work with Disney again. And John Favreau's like, I'll never direct for Disney again, which is of course not true because he came back, but yeah. not for the MCU. I don't think did he, did he, no, he's done star Wars and then the Lion King for Disney, but like mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian. Yeah. It's, it's like, Mandalorian as well. what a shame, yeah. right? Like, yep. So I, I, I agree. And then with, with Iron Man three, I don't know. I felt like uh, I I wanted to like it. Um, I hated it the first time I saw it. It was the first MCU movie that I actually felt like I I did not enjoy at all. When I went back through and rewatched the MCU for Endgame and I saw Iron Man 3 then, um, I actually liked it a lot more. I I still wouldn't say that that I really enjoy that movie. But if it's on, I wouldn't complain now like I would have, you know, six years ago. <laughs> I, I could just picture so. you like at the keyboard complaining <laughs> online in forums. And, like, <laughs> I can't believe Shane Black yeah, would do yeah. this. <laughs> yeah, you're not the only one who <laughs> did not like Iron Man 3 at all. But anyway. Well, enough about what I didn't like about Iron Man 3. Derek, tell the viewers, the listeners, what didn't you like about the Avengers? Good segue. <laughs> Nice. Thanks. Good job. Good job. I'm laughing because in our show notes, I literally put small gripes. All right. So my first small gripes is, I'm just going to read it. I love Loki as a villain, right? Right. But what is his motivation in this movie? I was so like confused. Is it revenge? Is he rescued by Thanos and now it feels like he has to like serve him? Is he trying to hurt Thor by hurting the earth, which Thor kind of implies like, 
what is his end game? Ah, see what I did there? Uh, like, I'm just confused. <laughs> I, I love Loki, but this whole movie, I'm like, what, what are you going at? I don't know. What did you guys think? I would agree with that. I feel like they didn't utilize uh, his character uh, at a depth that they could have for all of the character development and plotting and backstories and everything else that we got in all of the heroes for Avengers. Loki was a much quieter villain, uh, except I will say that one of the best lines ever uttered in the MCU is I'm burdened with glorious purpose. Um, That's <laughs> so good. What a good line. I just like it because it's so haughty and it's so Loki. And I'm just like, you're really full of yourself. This is insane. Um, <laughs> so I'm just saying I, I agree about the, the Loki thing. Yeah, that's something I didn't even, I don't think I really even thought about when watching it. I sort of just saw Loki as just like, just being just chaotic and just being the villain. And I didn't, I'm not necessarily saying I'm ascribing that as his motivation, because I think like, you're right, there really isn't a lot. He's just like, humans want to be ruled. Uh, Humans like to be ruled. But then like, they don't really develop that motivation for him much. And then they also don't really give a case for like whether or not people actually do like to be ruled. And it basically, this is where I think about it, like retrospectively again, like we get that with Thanos, like Thanos basically convinced half of the world who saw his movie, you know, maybe he's right. (laughs) So like Loki doesn't even really do that. And Loki doesn't even really try to do that. And so by the time it ends, like, the most the further the furthest he gets is sort of just being the villain which it also is a, an issue that kind of permeates phase two is when we get to phase two it's like it's just villain of the week there's not a lot of development and, and marvel has mm-hmm. had a lot of issues with their villains i i don't think loki's one of them. i think loki's one of marvel's yes. best villains just and 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 i don't need a lot from loki in this movie because i feel like we got a lot of his motivation from thor i just need to yes. know what what's your game plan loki like why are you here in this movie uh, other than you're amazing villain and we need you so the Avengers can punch something like I just just give me a little bit of a through line of what you're going for. Um, but mm-hmm. again, small great. He's he's at his best when he's like one of the side villains, I think, because mm. I'm always questioning, like, is he being honest right now or is he just like pulling my leg? But like, he's just the villain in this. So like, he's not pulling my leg. He's just the villain. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's like, uh, I, I yeah, I, I agree. I think um, that's one of the reasons I liked him so much in Ragnarok was uh he wasn't the main bad guy he wasn't the focus of all of the bad stuff yeah and and a slight difference there i feel like he's yes he's the main villain that's going against the guys a lot but he's kind of a pawn of thanos but again i don't even understand that relationship and we never get the what, what's the aliens culture cory chitari whatever chitari again like it's chitari i don't understand his I, I just don't understand. But anyways, small great. I'll move on to the next one. Uh, okay, so I love Thanos. <laughs> he has a list, by the way, people. There's, there's more after this one. Yes, <laughs> yes. I love Thanos. Several small greats. <laughs> <laughs> but when does this do form the Black Order? Like, I, and this is me looking back after Infinity War, and I understand why they did this. They're trying to build up to Thanos and stuff. But, like, it seems like every... Uh, bad guy that this guy sends at the Avengers before he gets involved himself doesn't work out. So I, I, I guess I don't even know why they featured him 
as much as they did in the movie, in in like the the little go between that was talking between him and and Loki, like I I just needed the end credit scene. Like I I didn't even know why he was using Loki. I guess to do his bat stuff, if that makes any sense. But again, small grudge. I complete I completely agree with that. I mean, it seems like one of those cases where they sort of pulled the curtain aside too early. Because just by the presence of the Infinity Stones, people would have gone like comic book encyclopedia people walking around and stuff. They they would go, oh, there's Infinity Stones. We're probably headed towards Thanos. But they kind of like, yeah, they show him off early, but he doesn't have his Black Order. And then he's sending other people who can't do their job, even though like we also know that Thanos is stupid powerful. So why doesn't he just do it himself? And it, it seems just like, yeah, one of those cases where like they call up Josh Brolin to come in and put on makeup. And then for like the next seven years, they're like, why did we do that? We're just going to change his color anyway. And <laughs> I don't know. It's it. I completely agree with that because they're just as much as we don't really know Loki's motivation for this movie. Like we really don't know Thanos's motivation for this movie. I will say that I I really agree with this point. And it's, it's this sort of internal struggle that I have because just like Thor 2 is in my bottom three, Endgame is in my top three. And Thanos is one of not, I don't know that I would say he's my favorite, but if not, he's my second favorite MCU villain. Mm -hmm. But I honestly don't know if the reason that I feel that way is just because he's the only villain that's been in several movies as the villain. And so we've just gotten more of him and seen more of, of his, his story. But even then, I'm not super happy with all the creative decisions they made. He's just this insane guy in the MCU who wants to wipe out half the universe and restore balance and everything else. And rightly so, all the people who aren't familiar with the comics poke a ton of holes in his plan. Like, why don't you just increase resources or this, that, or the other? Because in the comics, Thanos wasn't just trying to balance the universe. He was in love with death and wanted to impress her. Yes. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> they could have used that and then there would be no real arguing with, with his plan or what he was trying to do because he was this insane guy who was in love with death itself and wanted to impress the goddess of, of death. And, you know, the MCU is I, I love Thanos, but I'm also torn on how they depicted him completely. So. You know, it's kind of a, a a give and take struggle for me. But the real question, John, is who's your first <laughs> villain that you like? You can't just keep Ba-ba-bum. doing this, John. <laughs> you can't just be like, hey, he's like my third favorite. Well, who's your favorite, man? <laughs> well, I, I'm used to Shattercast and it's 20 minutes long, so I got to leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got no, a no. segment to wrap. Um, Come on. Oh, man. Ooh. It's not easy, but... I feel like you're both going to make fun of me for this. If I had to pick a favorite villain in the I'm going to make fun of you anyway, so just, just <laughs> say it. <laughs> Honestly, it might be Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, he was good. That's a, that's yeah. a good yeah. pick. Yeah, he I was, was even thinking about him. He was yeah. Yeah. a very, very believable villain. I felt like he was the most well-rounded villain we got in the MCU who had the most believable story going from normal person to villain. Um it, it was one in a long list of, of villains that kind of is because of Tony Stark, um, but it was a lot more complex than that. And I, uh, there were twists and turns along the way that I was actually really impressed with. And Michael Keaton's performance was phenomenal, in my opinion. So that's a hey, good pick. I have a list real fast off segment. Okay, so some of my favorite villains: Vulture, Thanos, Loki, Hela. I thought she was mm. really good for a one movie villain, and. Killmonger. 
I thought Killmonger had oh, one yeah. of the best story arcs. Oh my gosh. I think Killmonger would round out my top three. Yeah, he would probably be the, the third one on there. He's, we still got a couple more gripes to get through. Okay, so small gripes. I love Thor, but I feel like Thor's power level in the entire MCU is all over the place. I feel like that is seen, especially when Captain Marvel enters the scene and now she's the most powerful. Um, I, I felt like that. I felt this movie, he was decently consistent in power level, but um, like the first Thor movie, a regular security guard knocks him on the ground. And granted, he didn't have his hammer. I'm not sure if he didn't have a lot of power. And the Avengers here, like, he uh, goes in type of the, what is that? The Chrysler building or whatever? I don't know. Uh, on the building, like, shoots lightning and, like, takes out two of those flying serpent things. And, like, yeah. does an amazing move then. And then he's on the ground finding, like, just street-level drones. Like, it, like it, Thor's power level has always confused me a little bit. And again, I, I feel like that just might be an uh, inherent issue with superhero movies. Like you don't want to make your character OP, but at the same time, it, it's hard to get them real threats. And also when it comes to vendors as a whole, I feel like there are tons of things that like Stark would do or whatever that I'm like, why isn't Thor doing that? Like when Stark flies a missile into space, <laughs> like Thor, tag in. Like, yeah. <laughs> could you handle that? Can't like Thor exist in space and still be fine too? So like, why does, why didn't he do it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't rewatch the movie last night. Uh, I know both of you did. So you might remember this scene more clearly, but when the missile is coming in, I seem to remember Thor winding up his hammer. Am I wrong about that? You're no. That's when. So yeah, that's that's when Iron Man's falling down. Yeah. Okay, to catch him. Right. Right. Correct. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, now, what what you had to say about the first Thor movie? Uh, first of all, I agree with his power level being all over the place. You blew my mind just now because I forgot about the security guard that tasers him and drops him. Because I always mocked, even though I love Ragnarok, I always mocked Ragnarok that the God of lightning can get subdued by like a little thing in his neck that zaps him with electricity. Yeah, I thought that was the dumbest thing. That's a whole nother thing. I forgot they did that in Thor. I forgot they did it in Thor. See, they set up, they set it up. It's believable now, right? <laughs> it makes total sense. <laughs> I didn't rewatch all of Thor. I was just rewatching the scene. I was trying to see if Hawkeye, I remember, I was trying to see if Hawkeye actually showed up in the first Thor and he did. I had to go back and yeah. watch the scene with him. And in that scene where Hawkeye's there, a, a big tall security uh, guard like is wrestling with Thor. Um, Thor wins, but I was like, "Are you? Shouldn't you be able to toss him across the room?" So anyway, it's a small gripe. I, it works story wise for what they're trying to do, and, and it gives you suspense. Like with Iron Man, it was his idea to take the the muscle into space, which makes sense. But just stuff like that, I'm always like, "Why wouldn't you tell Thor to go and get that?" But anyways, small gripe. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the end of my list. There you go. I'm done. That was a good list. I liked getting through that. Yeah, he, he says it's the end, but he actually, a few more of these bullet points are small grapes. He just didn't label them as small grapes. <laughs> <laughs> They're more discussion. Oh. Apparently, <laughs> apparently one of these is about Justice League. You want to tell us about that one? Yeah. And let's do this. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Um, one of the reasons I do like Avengers is I feel like I was trying to figure out what it got right. 
I think it got the team dynamic right. First off, it earned the movie, unlike Justice League, that tried to rush together a bunch of heroes together. Like, we saw these heroes in their own standalone movies. They came together, and, like, it was it was exciting to see them together uh, because most of these characters we had known before, again, unlike Justice League. The other thing no, you're right, 100%. That, that I kept comparing this movie to was the X-Men franchise. And don't get me wrong. I love X-Men. And the movies were okay. Uh, <laughs> my issue with the X-Men movies is it didn't have the comic books feel that they were a team. Mm. All the X-Men movies always focus on one or two characters like Wolverine or Mystique and everyone else is supporting characters. And in the Avengers, I felt like every person had a starring role and their dynamic together was like it's Stark's banter with Bruce, you know, Stark's banter with uh, Captain America. Uh, uh, one of you guys mentioned this, um, like Widow's history with Hawkeye. Like, Everyone produces this amazing story that they can then draw upon. There isn't just one or two people that is always there, even though like you can argue that Iron Man and Captain America, yes, they're the backbone of the team probably, but I felt like Avengers, this first movie especially, you got a glimpse at every character, their dynamics, and it wasn't just one person running the scene. And I feel like that is the difference between this and some other superhero movies um, that don't understand that. Like, you don't just need a Batman or a Superman to carry a movie. If it's Justice League, I want to know about all the Justice League. If it's X-Men, I want to see Cyclops actually leading a team, which is one yeah. of my biggest praises about this Avengers movie when, uh, when they're in the Battle of New York and Iron Man flies in. He's like, all right, Cap, call it basically what That's are we right. supposed to do and cap's yep. like all right here's what i want you guys to do they're actually following orders and it makes sense just that ability for them to highlight everyone i think was an amazing job which some other superhero movies don't do well with i don't know what are you guys thoughts i think you make a good point uh for sure uh cyclops is um probably my favorite x-men right next to gambit um and when i see cyclops in the x-men movies it feels like it's a scene about like a minor character or it's about his relationship drama or something else. And any scene basically is what I'm, what I'm trying to say is any scene that didn't really have, like you said, um, Mystique or Storm or Wolverine felt like you were watching a scene with a few side characters that were talking about what the main characters were doing or were just filler until you got back to the main characters. But in Avengers, you can see Hawkeye or Black Widow or Bruce Banner um, doing something and it feels just as important as when Iron Man is on screen or when Captain America is on screen. So, I mean, uh, talking through the, the entire MCU, which I could do for a long, long time, I am admittedly <laughs> a fan of the Marvel cinematic universe. I think about the, the reasons that I'm drawn to movies like this. And I think for a lot of people, we like seeing the good guy win. We like seeing the good versus evil, the light versus dark kind of stuff. In in real life, bad things happen. And sometimes we get into a place where we want to see justice happen. And so we see uh, more justice in, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe than we do in Justice League. I think, I think as uh, a species, we crave uh, justice, right? That's why other 
uh, religious worldviews they have, you know, they have karma, you know, you get what's coming to you, what you put into the world is what you get out of it. It's a common thread of people of various faiths and religions and, and cultures around the world, because as a, as a species, we want justice of some kind. We want to see that happen. We want to see people um, brought to justice when they do something wrong. And from the Christian perspective, the reason that I think that that's such a, a common thread, a cord that binds all of us is because we believe that we were made in the image of God and God is just. And so if, if we're made in his image, then, then we want to see justice because that is how we were created. And that's who we were created to, to emulate and be like. And despite the fact that, that we crave it, we're not actually called to, to do what the Avengers do, right? When I, when I think about the word Avenger, biblically, there's only one person who should be the Avenger. It's not the Avengers, right? There's one. It's scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament. I could throw a bunch of books at you in Deuteronomy and Psalms, Isaiah, Thessalonians, Romans. Time and time again, we hear that vengeance is the Lord's and it's not ours. And in uh, James uh, chapter one, there's a, a verse that many of us know and love. This you know, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And that's usually where we stop. And it's a great verse and it's a great thing to think about that we're supposed to be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. But the verse right after it tells us why. It tells us why we're supposed to be like that. And it's for the anger of man, does not achieve the righteousness of God. And that's one of the most convicting pieces of scripture for me. It's a reminder that when I am upset with something, when I'm angry about something, I know that if I act on that and try to bring justice in that situation right then, if I try and avenge a wrong that I've seen, I have to take a step back and realize that in my anger, I can't achieve the righteousness of God. I have to give it to him. And so when I see uh, movies like this, and they're so popular, I think that part of the reason is we crave something that we don't see all the time. We crave justice. We crave uh, the good guys winning because it helps us adjust to the reality that we live in. And that being said, it only happens in the movies because they, the, the group is, is so different, right? So like Iron Man is not Captain America by any stretch of the imagination. And none of us would watch an Avengers movie that was entirely cast by Robert Downey Jr. That's a lie. I would probably watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It'd but, be such but, a cult status film. <laughs> you know, if, if, it's, if it's a movie full of Iron Man, or if it's a movie that's a bunch of Captain Americas, or if the Avengers were just a bunch of Hulks, it, it wouldn't work. You know, Hulks can't do everything. Captain America can't do everything. And so their diversity in them brings strength. And I see that reflected in scripture as well, because... Jesus' disciples, they weren't a bunch of Luke's. They weren't a bunch of Matthew's. They weren't a bunch of John's. They were different people from different backgrounds. You had tax collectors, you had physicians, you had fishermen. And so when I see the Avengers, the thing that I love most about it is also the thing that makes it stand out so well. And that's that they had this diverse cast, both from an acting perspective, but then also from a character perspective. And they all worked so well together and it was so believable. And when I, when I see that, I see that that glorifies God, that diversity glorifies God. Because if we say that we're all made in the image of God, then that means that I can't entirely be God's image, right? Because if I am, then what about Derek or what about Melvin, who are nothing like me, but they're also made in the image of God. And so when we come together, 
that image of God gets a little bit more clear. And so diversity is glorifying God because as all of us start to gather together, we all represent different pieces of the image of God and it, it comes into focus. And so when I see the Avengers movies, especially Endgame was amazing. Um, <laughs> the Avengers movies, this cast of characters comes together and in their diversity brings their strength, the diversity of ideas, the diversity of culture, the diversity of background. That's the reason they're able to win. Just like Captain America said, if we win, we're, we're going to win together. And if we lose, we'll do that together too. They, they have to be together because divided, you know, we fall. <laughs> I really just liked how you kind of tied those things together because one of the things that's like really, I've always found funny about the Avengers is just the name. Like the Avengers always sounds like just a, a bit more violent to me than the Justice League. Like the Justice League like could also just be <laughs> yeah. like, you know, we're just like firefighters and and good people. <laughs> like the Avengers is like, no, you've done something. I'm going to get revenge on you. And you're like, oh my yeah. gosh. That's like, so I've always found like, I remember growing up and thinking like, why is it? That sounds mean. <laughs> but but anyways, yeah, I think, Um, uh, but I do like, like I said, the combination you kind of put there where it's like, we have like this need for justice. We have this, this unsatisfied peace in our heart. And we know that it's because of like an injustice. Like not only do we feel that way about people who sin against us, who hurt us, but there's also like this passive intrinsic knowledge of like, I sinned against God. Now, not everybody has that totally revealed to them. Mm -hmm. And Lord willing, that's something that as we go into the kingdom or go into the earth and, and spread the gospel, we are a part of the Lord opening people's eyes to their sins against God. But yeah. that really only happens when you're together. That only really happens when you're relying on one another. I kind of have just like, <laughs> there's all, it's almost like funny to think like I have like this saying that I commonly say that's sort of a Christianese saying and but like I could almost be like if somebody were to say like it's not a religion it's a relationship I'd be like why did you make that Christianese saying but uh, <laughs> so for putting my making myself sound like um, a hypocrite I have this sort of saying like a Christian alone isn't a Christian at all because like if you if I were to just say I'm a Christian and like I worship God but I'm not meeting with a church and I'm not meeting with other people. And I'm especially not putting myself in, in a situation where I can preach the gospel to someone who doesn't know it or doesn't prescribe to it. Then like, am I really a Christian? Like, am I actually going through and doing what that basically is? Like, no, I'm what people typically call nominal Christianity, which is you're just kind of in it in the title, but you're not really in the action and you're not really, you're not really expressing that like you have an allegiance to the King, to Christ, to God. And that requires like knowing that like God is going to be the Avenger. He is going to be the one to take care of all of the evil that is in the world and, and have justice and everything. And like, we can trust in him and are encouraged to do so even more in community like i i do i feel more confident in god when i'm in the presence of other people who are also confident in god during the particular time we are recording of which we are all stuck at home and cannot mm. do anything yes. there is a unique experience where yes we're not connecting with people in the same ways we have but in the amount of phone calls I've had with people or the people who have called me or even like communications online, I am more encouraged in my walk with Christ 
because of the amount of encouragement I'm getting from other people. And it's just really, it's, I find this all really interesting because I, I had this conversation with somebody one time and I won't use their name because it's not necessarily a good story about a, this particular person. And this is a very long time ago, um, but they were coming from a statistical standpoint that diversity was actually bad because through most statistics of like diverse cultures coming together, it usually ended up falling apart or the, whatever they were trying to do didn't work out well. And that's like a really inflammatory thing to say, especially in like modern America. Mm -hmm. But it's also like you can understand where it's coming from. But as Christians, you can't really agree with it. And I think I, I have to agree say that because two reasons because for some reason sometimes you listen to podcasts and you don't actually know where somebody stands mm -hmm. i'll be clear i don't agree with this guy and it's because when i look to something like revelation 7 9 through 10 where basically like you're getting this vision of like you know every tribe tribe tongue and nation is just worshiping god and it makes the distinction that these are all different people mm -hmm. but then they all have the same phrase and it's basically just like this is our king we're going to glorify him and they're all saying that what's great about that is like these are all different people who are all united through the same thing and that's you know christ um so i think it's like it's just fascinating how like even in something like you know watching the avengers where you're seeing culturally there's a significant understanding of like certain things cannot be completed on their own like Iron Man could not fight aliens the way he did if he didn't have other people around him. Thor, yeah. for some reason, even though he's so overpowered in this movie, can't take everything on his own, even though he probably could have. And, and you know, <laughs> Black Widow could not do anything, <laughs> you know, that she needed support there, too. But when they're together, like, hey, I don't know. I'd say they did a pretty good job defending New York. What about you, Derek? Yeah, I think these are all uh really good points there there's a there's a scene in the movie that i think encompasses a lot of the stuff so it's when during the battle of new york uh tony stark gets there first uh and he makes a joke there one stop for takeout i was wondering the exact same thing because it takes him forever <laughs> to get there but anyways tony gets there to stark tower and there is loki and he has this conversation with loki he says some uh interesting things one uh, is, is to John's point, which I think is a good point just about the name Avengers. At the end of the conversation, Tony's basically saying, we're going to try our best to beat you. Even if we like fail, we're going to make sure we avenge you. <laughs> like we're going to make sure we're going to get, you know, we'll fight you back. We'll, we'll make you pay yes. for this type thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the idea of that John was talking to that seeking revenge is not for us to do. That is for God to do. Mm -hmm. So I definitely 100% agree with that. Tony, though, also says something in the same conversation. He says that Loki's going to lose, basically, because he's just fighting by himself. And Tony says, we have all these different people coming together whose same goal is to stop you. And, and to John's point again about there's amazing uh, things that come together when people of different backgrounds decide to work together for a similar goal. Uh, there's a passage in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 12, and it says, I'm going to paraphrase, but it says, use whatever gift you've been given to basically serve each other and glorify the Lord. And so 
the thing I do like about the Avengers is you have a bunch of these people with extraordinary skills or superhuman abilities, and they're using those abilities for good. They're using those abilities to protect others, to fight evil. And I, and I think that is something that we are called to do when we can. They're not called to take revenge, but they're called to protect and use their gifts together to help others. And that's what I love about superhero movies when teams come together with a similar goal. And as we said, from different backgrounds, but they're still able to use their abilities for good. And uh, I, I used to do a lot of uh, just diversity training, a place where I used to live. They had a lot of racial issues. So we went to like schools to talk to students or wherever. And one thing we always emphasize is, yes, there is strength and diversity. There's many things that we can learn from each other. And so that's something that we should always look to. But there's also more things that we have in common than we actually realize at first. And for the Avengers, they all had in common that they wanted to protect the Earth. Even Thor, who's not from Earth, he loves the Earth. So, so they were all united to one purpose at the end of the movie, to make sure that the world was saved. And it reminds me of another part of the movie when Coulson is talking to Loki and he says, you know you're going to lose. <laughs> Loki's like, why? He says, because you lack conviction. <laughs> and it's this powerful line. Like, Loki, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know why you're here. We're here to stop evil. And and I, I think that's also just a good reminder that what is our focus in life? Uh, what's our focus when we're dealing with other people or with God? Like, we need to know our focus and we need other people there to help us reach those positive goals. And last thing I'll say, and again, this reflects this idea of a team. There's a, a cool passage in Ecclesiastes, which we don't always quote from, but uh, chapter 4, 8 through 12 says, I think this was written for Loki. It says, uh, and I'm just going to paraphrase, but there's a man who works so hard to gain as much wealth as he can, but he's alone. And he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? Everything's meaningless and depressing. And he goes on to say that two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And it goes on to say, even three is better than two. And again, there is power when we have a similar goal that's hopefully positive. And we bring different people together to meet that goal. Mm. And we see that embodied in the Avengers who came together to save Earth. And we see the opposite embodied in Loki who, as we've talked about several times, is fighting for himself. We don't know what his, his motivation is. And he's failing um, because he doesn't have the support of others. And so just to make that practical, I think in our own lives, just a reminder, we need other people. As Christians, we're never alone. We always have God with us. But one of the things that God says is, I want you to go and be in community with others. Mm -hmm. And so um, even if we're experiencing a season of loneliness, that's not supposed to be our life always. Um, we need yeah. others to help us. No, that's a good point. And I think um, what both of you guys have been saying is, you know, we were created for relationship. We are relational beings. We were even, even the most introverted among us you know, they don't live in pure isolation. Mm -hmm. And and I have plenty of introverted friends right now who are not having the time of their life yes. because being an introvert doesn't mean you don't like people. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of when God created Adam 
was the first observation that he made, that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. God knew that he was there, but he also knew that Adam needed community. He needed a relationship. And so you get Eve and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, more and more people. And, and relationship is, is important. We were created for that. God walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve shoulder to shoulder with us. He didn't create us to be these automatons, these slaves. He, he created us to, to be in relationship with him. And so, you know, as, as people now in the 21st century, we're still created to be in relationship, you know, and, uh, I'm going to, it reminds me of, of even a, a quote from Harry Potter, where Harry Potter is talking to, to Voldemort in a rather intense scene. And he says, you will never know love or friendship. And I feel sorry for you. Brutal. <laughs> it's so brutal. So brutal. Um, but it, I just remember reading that and it was like this deep cut. And it was um, just like what you were saying about Loki. Uh, it's, it's about the people around you. It's not about you. And so, I mean, as, as a Christian, um, I, I say this all the time, uh, probably to the, the point where I, I drive some people around me nuts, but we're called to lives of self-sacrifice. We're called to lives that aren't about us because we're called to live like Christ and Christ's life at no point was it ever all about him. Everything he did was to serve and to, to be there for other people and ultimately to die for them. And if we're created to be in the image of Christ and we're created to, um, to follow him and to follow that lead and to be like Christ, then, I mean, what else are we supposed to do, right? The, the Bible says to, uh, you know, what, what's the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And in the scripture, when it says to love your neighbor as you love yourself, there's so many different words for love that we, we can talk about. And the one there that it uses is the same one that it uses for God's love for us, and that's agape. It's that full and complete this holistic love, this 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 love that that usually is is just the love that God has, but that's the love that we're supposed to show other people, and it's also the love we're supposed to have for ourselves, and we see that love demonstrated in what Christ did for us, and so we we are supposed to live lives of self sacrifice. We're supposed to live lives that are about other people, because we're created to be in community. Absolutely, and and the another really interesting thing I thought about just now too is that like this movie. It takes two and a half hours for, for the team to really get along and yeah. finally work together. Um, unfortunately, working together with other people does not take two and a half hours to finally <laughs> to get through. Uh, what's funny is uh, they don't get along and then they do. And then eventually they don't again when yes. the war comes around. And, and I think my takeaway is, and, and again, I think there's, there's good... Um, uh, issues we can take with the name of the Avengers, but I think yes. my takeaway <laughs> would be different people come together to fight for a good cause. And and, mm -hmm. uh, and I think there's also uh, positives that can be taken from that. You know, I love coming back to this movie, <laughs> despite the fact that it seems like everybody has to endure me warming up to a movie as I speak about it. But, you know, me saying this was really hard to get into at first. But, man, like you get to the end of these episodes and I'm just like, hopefully, listener, like you're just loving it as much as I do, because I just feel so filled up with the spirit. And I, I'm so glad to have you two on to this podcast. Derek, why don't you tell us again about like, you know, Shattered Studios, Shattercast, where people can get plugged in? 
Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having us on. Uh, it was a blast. Uh, if you guys want to find out more about Shattered Studios, you can check our website, shatteredstudios.net. Uh, to look at Shattercast, our podcasts, uh, you can check out the video version over on our YouTube channel. It's just youtube.com slash shattered studios. Um, it's also available on all your favorite audio podcast uh, stations. So whatever that is, wherever uh, favorite platform you have, just uh, check out Shattercast or look up Shattered Studios. We should be there as well. And then uh, you can also see updates on our Facebook page, Facebook slash Shattered Studios. Oh, sorry. I messed that up. Facebook.com <laughs> slash Shatter the Darkness. There you go, guys. Thanks so much. John, you can, John, you can say something too. I'm sorry. I didn't introduce you or... Go ahead. Okay. okay. Um, all of my stuff is what Derek said. Shattered Studios <laughs> is great. Yay! Thanks so much for checking out this episode on The Avengers. And thanks so much to Derek Whitmore and John Wayan for joining me on this excellent episode. Don't forget to show them your support and follow Shattercast, a Christian pop culture podcast, for discussions on a myriad of different yet important topics from a family-friendly and respectful position. You can find their show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, if you've seen The Avengers, what did you think of it? Is this film one of the best you've ever seen, or do those gripes Derek had really put a damper on things? If you're listening on Cinematic Doctrine's website, let us know in the comments below, or shoot us an email to cinematicdoctrine at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review for the podcast in your respective podcast app at the end of this episode. Unlike YouTube or Reddit, there isn't really a way to let us know how we're doing with a thumbs up or thumbs down, so the best way is to leave your thoughts on the podcast by writing a review on iTunes, Podchaser, or wherever you listen. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. You also gain access to the Sindoc pre-show, a Patreon-exclusive podcast series where my co-host Daniel and I casually talk movies, Christianity, and life itself. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check them out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Outhouse Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, and Melanie. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. All this will be available in the show notes. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.